Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Kelly Dunaway. Kelly is a coach and council woman leading change in people, policy, culture, and community. Hello, Kelly. That's awesome. Hello, Mish. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy you are here. We met at a TEDx audition, and I loved what you had to share. So let's let's hear it. So I believe that many of our society's ills are because we are being ruled by a homogenous group of people. And when I say old white guys, I do say that with love in my heart because a lot of old white guys are great allies to yes. the rest of us. Yes. But no matter how great they are and no matter how much of an ally they are, they still have not lived an experience where they have walked a mile in someone else's shoes. They don't know what it's like to be a mom. They don't know, they don't understand from a firsthand experience the pressures that women feel to take care of everyone else. Right. They don't know what it's like to be a person of color or to experience discrimination or sexism or any of the other isms for the most part. And I think that the world will be a much better place when women have an equal number of seats at the table. And my pitch for all women is to do the brave thing, run for office, get involved, become legislators, because we need that we need women so badly in positions of power and decision making. Yes. I agree wholeheartedly. And it is hard because, and it, you know, so I get it. It's like that. I'm sure there's white men like, oh my gosh, quit bashing us. You know, I'm for you. I want you to, but it, but there is something to be said about the different ways that people approach things. And one of my kind of pet peeves is the the people that think that if you're, you know, like I, I'm accommodating a lot of times, right? And even if I'm thinking you are being just a, a jackass, right? <laughs> <laughs> I might not say it out loud. I might just be like, I am, I am holding a loving space for you. We're going to do the best. But it doesn't mean that you're getting rolled over as like, okay, I'm dealing with you as best I can. And I think that's part of what women do. So what looks like weakness is actually us really giving you a nice wide berth to be your ridiculous self sometimes. Agreed. A hundred percent. And they don't see it that way. So they automatically think, oh, you're weak. Right. Or I'm going to run roughshod over you because you're not going to stop me. And this is why we see education deprioritized and women losing rights to bodily autonomy. Yes. And all of these horrible things that are happening because women aren't at the table and we're letting people that aren't us make decisions for us. And I really just want to encourage women to get more involved. So then— I think part of the lesson I'm learning from a lot of this is that I, I am going to have to just start speaking up. Yes. You know, and and just feel like, look, I'm, I've, I've been nice to you, but here's the scoop. And you can be nice yeah. and stand up for yourself right. and stand up for other women and get your point across and make sure they're listening. I think it's so important because women have so much power that we've never really shared with the world in a— I mean, we're starting to much more in the last couple of decades, but 
I mean, we have so much to contribute and so many policy ideas and ways of getting things done and collaboration that I think the world would really benefit from more of us. Yes. And we're extremely resilient. Yes. Because we I have mean, no choice. We Yes. It's like, you, you have no idea. I mean, because I think one of the things that um, I have noticed is that, you know, because I just went, dealt with this recently was, you know, the child. And then taking my child off to college, it's like, do you know what kind of a break that is? That is a tough thing to go through. And you hear about the empty nester thing, which I hate that term. I got to come up with a new one Um, because it's empty nester plus what am I doing next? You know, like, what does this mean for Mish as a human being? What's my next step? But that is like a break. I mean, it's like a definite feeling of break. I'm so glad that I have a long ways away from that. <laughs> I'm already like not looking forward to it. How old are your mine are ten and eight. Ten and eight, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And you you probably have heard people go enjoy it because it happens so fast. And it really does. Like all of a sudden you're driving your kid to Denver going, Oh my gosh, this is like it. So there's a part of you that's like, I did it. I'm so Look proud. My kid's awesome. Yes. And then there's another part that's Oh, gosh. Now what? Uh, you know. I And I do. I listen to the people. I feel like that's one of the benefits. I'm an old mommy. And so I feel like one of the great benefits is, is I have enough wisdom to know that this isn't going to last and that I really do treasure this yes. time with them. There is something about being an older parent because I was the older parent as well compared to— a lot of the kids that my, you know, my daughter is with. And I, I remember at one point she said something about how, you know, she's like, yeah, you just don't like worry about what I eat. Like some of the parents, and I was like, oh, honey, 10 years <laughs> earlier, you'd have been eating tofu and broccoli. I've just gotten over it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm like totally. older now. I'm like, ah, you'll be fine. <laughs> it's like I let my kids roam the neighborhood all weekend long. They come home when they're hungry. And mostly I'm like, yeah, oh, all right. <laughs> I gave some popcorn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I'm like, I've learned different priorities over the years. And, and you know, I mean, it's not like I was feeding her candy every night, you know, but um, definitely not, you know, like, Eat all that broccoli right now. You know, I'm like, yeah, if you don't like it, well, okay, eat that then. Because you know. the priority is to be happy. Right. Right? To like do the work you need to do so that you can enjoy your life, whether you're eight or 48. Exactly. So you and I, the one of the things I loved is I recently put out a newsletter about this, and I talked about a book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, how we give that book to children, or why well, should teenager, kids moving into that, you know, from high school into college. And I was saying, that book needs to be given to parents, too, because that is part of what the parent is asking is, well, you know, should ask, like, okay, where am I going to go now? You know, what am I going to do with this extra time energy that I've got to move into this other space? And what did you say about that? (laughs) So when I was elected to the county council in 2019, I was sworn in on that book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, because I was starting this new grand journey, and my kids were with me when I was sworn in, and they were five and seven at the time. And I just wanted them, because I knew this was going to be a big life change for them, too. Right. And so I wanted them to feel a part of it. So I chose something that would matter to all of us and mean something to all of us. And that was it. 
I love that. Thank you, because I have gotten a wide array of opinions about that. I'm sure you have. (laughs) But I love that because I feel like it's really personal. And so I'm guessing part of the opinion is the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And nothing against the Bible, but maybe the Bible isn't something that resonates with you and speaks to you as a person. And really, I I love that you brought your children into the mix with it. Like, this is something that represents us. Yeah. And the Bible isn't something that resonates with me. And And it doesn't have to. Exactly. Isn't that part of being in the United States? Isn't that what freedom of religion means? And freedom of speech? And to be so vilified for that choice of mine by people who claim to be advocates for freedom of religion and speech, it's just really— it was uh, it was interesting, but I will say this. Speaking of authenticity, I never. It was never a stunt for me. It was something that mattered to me, something that mattered to my kids, and it did get global attention. One of my friends in Sweden, like Facebook, messengered me, and she said, "Oh my gosh, you're at the top of Reddit this morning." And really? I got the Washington Post called me. I got. I was in Newsweek. It was all over the place. Stop. I did not know this. Yeah. That is so cool. Crazy, huh? I love that. I mean, and I think that, and I like, and thank you. I'm glad that you said, because I, I, I wouldn't have thought that just from the little bit I know about you, I feel like that would not be a stunt thing that you would pull. <laughs> but, um, but I love that it got, I mean, that kind of, did you get, I mean, I guess you got some negative attention too, but from these sources, was it positive? Oh my gosh. The vast majority of what I heard was very positive. It just captured the imagination of the globe. It was so amazing. How cool is that? It was really cool. What what does a councilwoman do? What does your day look like? So it's a part-time job in St. Louis County. And so um, I go to a lot of events. I really try to be active in the community in my district, which is Maryland Heights, Bridgeton, a little bit of Chesterfield, um, St. Anne, the airport, the community surrounding the airport, Creve um, I try to be out in the community to see what the needs are, to understand what my constituents are looking for. I have a lot of meetings. I read a lot. Um, I just want to help, which is why I do what I do. I'm here to make the world a better place, um, and I want to make sure that everybody has a fair shot, and that's what drives me. I mean, I have policy priorities that are specific, but as a general rule, I'm just I'm just there to understand the community needs and try to get people the help that they need. And I feel like that has to that's got to be difficult in that there are a lot of needs. A lot of needs. There are a lot of needs. And you so understand why certain needs are priority for people. I um, I went to a town hall meeting. So I live downtown. I went to a town hall meeting with Tashara Jones. And, you know, just listening to what people were talking about. And, you know, it was, it was just, you know, I had in my head that I was going to, you know, if I was going to get up to that microphone, I want to talk about... Washington Avenue, we need to beautify it, and la, 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 la. You know, that was like an art, and, and all we in my head like this. And then there were these people that were getting up there that were like, oh, three bodies have been found in my alley this year, and, you know, what are we doing about protection? And, I mean, just these, like, heart-wrenching stories that I was like, you know what? The priority is that. Mm-hmm. As much as I want to beautify Washington Avenue and all of that, that's this feels like more of the priority because these are people's 
freaking out that they are living in a really, really dangerous, violent neighborhood with their children. Yeah. You know? And so we as, do you find yourself having to kind of balance between the, oh, wow, this so needs our attention. But I, I understand that needs attention too. Oh my gosh, I have a perfect example. I have one constituent who is not very kind <laughs> and she reaches out um, once a week because she feels that the people in her neighborhood are not respecting stop signs and they're driving too fast and someone's going to get hurt and how dare the police not be camped out on my stoop like 24-7 to right. pull over people. And I don't say what I want to say, which is of all the issues in this district, this is not the one that is going to take the police away to monitor your stop sign. I need the police solving crime, which is out of control. I need the police out in the community building relationships with people whose lives they can have a positive influence in to keep them away from crime. I need the police helping people find homeless resources and drug addiction resources. I'm sorry, but you're not my priority right now. And even if I did say it, she wouldn't hear me. Right. Right. So, yes, it's a constant challenge. And I get—and, well, so then she has to do the MISH method, which was realizing that there really are things that take much more priority over—and it and, and violence and crime is at a high level everywhere right yes. now. It is unbelievable. And there's, of course, a lot that has contributed to that. But that has to be— so difficult to deal with because I feel like police are overwhelmed. Yes. I feel like everybody's overwhelmed right now. Yes. And it, it does have a sense of law, lawlessness happening around the United States that's just kind of, we're like very wild west right now. I agree. And I, I think a lot of it is um, poverty fuels crime. And we haven't found good solutions for dealing with generational poverty. And I also think so much of the issue revolves around unsupported um, mental health. So the 50-plus percent of the calls that go into the police department are people in a mental health crisis. Right. They're not at—yes. And And police aren't trained for that. And they don't—that's not their job. They're supposed to be fighting crime. But instead, they're walking naked people out of the crosswalk. And they're getting people who are in the middle of a mental health crisis off the street. And where do you put them? put them in jail where they're not getting treatment and they're not getting medication. And then, you know, once they do get the medication, they're back on the street where they're not getting their medication and treatment. It's just this vicious cycle that we haven't figured out how to solve, which is one of my priorities um, from a policy perspective of one of the things I want to try to really solve over the next couple of years. Well, there's so many, I mean, there are so many broken systems (sighs) out there. I mean, I can't, it's like every time you hear about any, you hear about the prison system, it's broken. You hear about Department of Children's Services, that's broken. There are so many broken, broken, broken. All of this is broken, and we keep trying to Band-Aid it, but that is not what's going to solve this issue. It's almost like we got to, like, stop. Let's let's start from let's build a a stronger foundation that makes sense for the now time, not the then time. Yes, <laughs> you know. Yes, I mean, right? Yes. A, and but it's but it's not easy. So I can say these words and they all make sense, but actually putting that into place on every single system out there, whew, it feels exhausting. It 
It is exhausting. And it's just, but I also, if I'm not here, who is? Right. And if I'm not here thinking about these things and trying really hard to make a difference, who's going to? Right. And if I leave, like, am I going to replace, be replaced by an old white guy who's just fine with the status quo? That's what keeps me showing up day after day after day, even when it's hard and people are mean and it feels like I'm just trying to walk through quicksand. But I want to get to the underlying issues. And yes, we, we need the Band-Aids. Right. But we also need that systemic change and that systemic, which is why we need new people in politics and policy, because we need people who are willing to really tackle the systems instead of just supporting more money going to more Band-Aids. And do you feel like the the— like so we've got the Gen Z kids coming in now and we both talked about how much we love them. We love All right. Them. So Gen Z, do you I mean, is it possible that the optimism they have can outlast them being squashed because of you know, like, uh, here's the reality, kid, you know? Cause you gotta remain optimistic yes. and have that fueling what yes. you're doing. Yeah. I mean I mean, so I think that their optimism, my hope is that it's going to be infectious, right? They're going to spread to all the pessimists or the pessimists will be like, you know what? Let's let the optimists have their day. <laughs> I I mean, yes. I mean, I I feel like you know, obviously you and I are optimistic people in spite of I mean, I don't know what kind of challenges. I assume we all have challenges in life. Yes, but yeah, I'm optimistic. Me too. I mean, I I go, you know, it's it's that thing of I, oh, I wish I could be happy like you all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm not always happy. <laughs> Gosh, no. Oh, hell no. There's times <laughs> I'm not a happy camper. Yes. But what I I will, and I will allow myself to have a pity party and be there for a bit and kind of, but but I got to lift myself out of this because I don't want to be this all the time. Right. And I also have to understand that the hard crap comes with the lessons and those lessons are meant to help me move to that next level. So I can get myself out of it. But no, there's times I'm like, I just want to lay on my sofa with my puppy and watch a sad movie. And you cry. Know? Yeah. And, and you know I got to get it out. Yeah. I got to get gotta it out. You got to feel the feels, yes. right? But also those darker times help us appreciate the really good times. So I think it's a necessary part of our day-to-day. It is. Without and, pain, yeah, there's there no, really isn't growth. Because if you didn't have pain, you'd be like, everything, this is great. The status quo <laughs> is just fine. I'm fine with all of this. <laughs> there's a reason for pain. If we could do it on our own, there probably wouldn't be pain. But no, we need the pain. Got to have it. Sadly. As painful as it is. Yes. I, I often say earth school is hard. Earth school is very hard. It's like one hell of a lesson. It's even harder than law school. <laughs> <laughs> See? And you went to law school. Yes. Oh, my God. Where did you go to law school? I went to UCLA. Really? Yeah. How different is that from St. Louis? Are you from St. Louis? No, I actually grew up in a small rural coal mining town in Southern Illinois. So like my hometown has less than 5,000 people and it was really a small, small little place with small little schools and small little experiences. And then you went to LA? Yeah. Was that like culture shock? It was. But oh my gosh, Mish, what an amazing, what an amazing opportunity to be able to understand rural America and understand why they see the world the way they do. Right. But to also have lived in one of the most 
biggest diverse cities in America. Oh, and my god! Understand that, too. Right. And then to come here where it's, like, kind of in the middle. Right. And get that, too. I feel so lucky because I have had these experiences in life that so few people get to have. And I bring that with me as a legislator, as a policymaker, as a mom. And I just feel really, really fortunate that wow. I can see that I've lived so many different lives. That's mm. so cool. That is really good because you are. You're then— now you've gained perspective, right? which is a big deal. And something, when you are doing what you are doing, having those different perspectives, like, I understand why you see it that way. I understand why you see it that way. And I understand why you see it that way. How do we come together? We agree on a lot more than, you we know, do. we always do. That's the one thing that people miss. It's like, we actually agree on a lot more then disagree. So let's start with agreement and then figure it out from there. So I think the biggest the thing that's missing the most in our society is empathy. Oh, my gosh. I am going to agree with you. Why is it that so many people, I call them blinder people, they're, they just have blinders on and they're not looking outside of themselves and around them and, and they lack that compassion yes. for others. Oh, my gosh. And, and if you look around at like— especially the last decade, that has bubbled over into violence and otherism and hate and anger and fear. And I think if we could just reset and make everybody take an empathy course, yeah. that we could really make some progress together. Because I, I know this sounds really cheesy, and I'm progressive, and I've never hidden that, but I don't think that we can wake up tomorrow and all of my progressive ideals be written into law or the policy. I think we are truly our best when we can meet in the middle and m make steps toward progress in a way that brings everyone along. And that's what I wish more people could see and be fighting for instead of all of these, like— uh, these purity tests on all sides of all the things. Right. It's it's getting to the heart space. And there's some people that are just kicking and screaming and really trying not to get there. and Because it hurts there. And they're right, right? They're always right. Yeah. And so that's the other issue is that, well, I'm always right. Right. I'm like, well. Probably not. I know you keep telling yourself this story. <laughs> this story is flawed. I think that you're right. <laughs> but there are a lot of people dealing with very difficult things in their their world and just because and because you are not allowing yourself to see that and feel it and understand it you're not right right yes you know and it really it's it's seeing through other, and that's one of the big reasons why I do TEDx and I do this podcast it's all about here, look through somebody else's eyes for a bit and, and let's see what they're looking at. And, you know, I'm just going to say that there, I was so at that TEDx audition. Wow, St. Louis is full of amazing ideas and brilliantly creative it's amazing. people. Oh, what you must see year in and year out must blow your mind. It really does. It's so fun. And and as you saw at the audition, I mean, you know, it, it really did my, I did my heart good when, Everyone leaving the audition was like, how do you choose? Yeah. Because really, I mean, at the end of that audition, when we we all sit around and talk about you guys, you know, it was kind of like, um, <laughs> they all have TEDx talks. I mean, how what this is gonna be really difficult to figure it out, right? Because yeah. 
and of course, there's so much more that goes, you know, topics and, you know, what do we think people want to hear right now and what have you. But it it is a challenge because St. Louis is that awesome. Yes, I 100% agree with that. St. Louis, and the, hence the reason why our TEDx features St. Louis people. <laughs> I have I questions it. for you, darling. Okay. All right. So, as a politician, mm-hmm. who is your current favorite politician? Like, can it be anywhere in the world? Anywhere in the world. Ooh, that is really hard. <laughs> who is my favorite? So, I, I'm going to have to go with Gavin Newsom. Okay. He's the governor of California. Okay. And the reason I pick him is because he is so audacious. You know, Ooh. he really fights for what he think is thinks is right. And obviously his brand of politics and his progressive policies are not for everyone. But he calls out the people that he wants to go head to toe with and they they cower away from him. And I just think I love the way he's just out in front of everything as though he's just ready to take it on. Go Gavin. Love that courage. I and love that it. Bravado and and he's an old white guy. So Hey, hey. he must be an ally though. He is, very much so. I mean, he was the guy in San Francisco a long time ago who started issuing marriage as licenses to LGBTQ couples before it was uh, in vogue, when it was against the law in California. And he was like, I'm just going to do it. And so that's one of the things that really—he was the mayor of San Francisco at the time. That takes some gumption to get that done. Mm -hmm. I love that. And for anybody out there who has not been to a Pride Fest, I am going to say go to a Pride Fest. It is the most loving, supportive. Yes. It is. I I I went. I didn't get to go to the Tower Grove one this past weekend, but I went to the one downtown, and I was like, "This feels so loving." It, it just is. felt so loving and supportive. That's what it's all about. Is these are people who have been discriminated against their whole lives, who went to school bullied and picked right. on and afraid to be who they really were, and now they've found a community where they can be who they are and thrive as they are. And that's what I think like spills over in pride events and I totally agree. Yeah, it's just it's an amazing thing. All right, we're going to go back in your Let's go to younger teens around there. Yes. Who was your first celebrity crush? Leonardo DiCaprio. Really? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) When he was Romeo, oh, that's probably still my ideal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I ask how old you are? I'm 47. Okay. So I'm 58. My my big crush was— Oh gosh, there was a few of them. Matt, what's his name? I can't remember his last name. <gasps> he was he was so cute. I'll remember it later. Okay. I see him in my head. What what was he in? <sighs> he was in The Outsiders and um I'm older than you, so I don't but know. But I know watched the Outsiders. That yeah, I love that movie. He w- Patrick he, Swayze was in that movie. Yeah. Actually, he was one of my early crushes oh, too. Yeah. He was such a good guy, I feel so like. So great. I mean, not that I know celeb. Well, okay, yeah. Patrick and I. <laughs> you you good went buddies way too. back, yeah. Is to hang out with Patrick. All right. So one of the things I ask everybody is about kindness because that's like, that's my thing. That's your jam. That's my jam. And I only have people on that are all about kindness. So you know why you're here. But when you think about kindness, something top of mind, whether it's something that's um, you, you gave kindness, you received kindness, you witnessed kindness. Tell me about kindness. So kindness is something that I always strive for. And I never really feel the confidence that I'm good enough to call myself kind. 
But I went to coaching school during the pandemic. Like early in the pandemic, I started coaching school to become an executive coach. And I was in a pretty small cohort. There were maybe eight of us, maybe nine in the class. And at the very end of the class, they gave everybody a plaque. And it was a compilation of words we had said It's a, with words, right? Okay, in different like sizes. like a word bubble kind of yes. thing. Yes. And in, when I got my plaque and they told us, this is what your colleagues had to say about you, as well as the words you used over the course of the program, and kind was like huge. Oh, Kelly, yay. And it made me feel like, wow, maybe I am the person I aspire to be sometimes. You are. Oh, my gosh. Yay for kind. Oh, my gosh. See, you were supposed to be here. Yes. This is one of those tearful days because my my last person was tearful too. Aww. It's just you guys are hitting heart space. So, well, that's heart good. space is where we can move past all the rancor and the yes. division. If we could all just hit our heart space and just give everybody else a fair shot, oh, I love it. Be like. And I and I love. I'm a highly emotional human being as well, and I love when there's. I love. I I think there's something about that emotion. Right, that emotion is what drives you to help people. Yes, and you, 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 you can like feel it. You're not like hardened heart. It's like I feel this. Well, that is really amazing. That kind came out as your big word. I love that so much. Thank Cur- you for sharing that. Yes, and courage was just a little bit smaller. <laughs> Very good, though, right? Yeah, but it does. T- it's it does take courage to be kind. It does. It does because you have to be willing to. Um, you know, you can't be shy about it, right? It's like it's like kindness is something you like actively do, right? Right, and so it's not like you know you're thinking. It's like I'm gonna go hold that even little things. I'm gonna hold the door open for that person. I'm gonna grab that from the top shelf for that person. I'm right. gonna just say hi because this person looks sad and it looks like they just need that bit of cheeriness for today. I'm gonna hug this person. So it's all of that that comes together. It's vulnerability. Yeah. Which is also difficult to do, but important. So scary. And you have to be vulnerable to be kind because you have to be willing to be punched in the face for an act of kindness. And I've been punched in the face a lot, and I still do my best to show up to be kind. I'm so glad you do. (laughs) And yeah, I know what you mean. Vulnerability, that's another whole subject, but it's also one of my favorite subjects because— when you're not vulnerable, people cannot relate to you. Correct. They just cannot. So if you come out all, you know, dun, 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 I am right. I am great. I am fabulous. Just do <laughs> what know. I say. Don't you wish you were me? You know, it's like, <laughs> not really, but I wish you were nicer. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I coach, most of my clients that I coach are lawyers. And so this is one of their biggest challenges. They, yeah. they feel like they're not treated like people. Oh, right. And so I'm coaching them on how to be authentic and be vulnerable. And even when it's hard, like you have to set boundaries and you have to, you know, you have to, you have to be happy. Right. And you have to figure out what, what will bring you happiness. Because I have to imagine a lot of lawyers, I mean, their heart is because they want to help people. Yeah. 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 At least that's where they started. Yeah, and then do they get hardened by the system? I think they get hardened by the system and and just by the structure of the organizations that they work for. Right. And, you know, over time, they just lose that. But fortunately for them and for the Gen Zs and millennials that are 
you know, making up a lot of the workforce now. Resources are being put toward them to help them remember why they did this. Like Good. firms are hiring people like me who are telling them and teaching them to set boundaries and, you know, be happy. So there's hope. I love it. Okay, let's tell everybody where they can learn more about you. Um, well, LinkedIn, of course. I have a Facebook profile. Um, I have a website that is aspiretoyourpotential.com. And um, you can always find me at the St. Louis County Council. I love it. Kelly, thank you so much for being a guest. guest and, and thank you for all your kindness. Thank you, Mish. That's and thank you for thing. the work you're doing to put more kindness out into the world. Yahoo. Good for us. High five it. High five. Woo! Love it. All right, everybody, you've been listening to Mishmash. Go out there and be kind. You heard it from us. Do it. Just say something lovely to someone today. Make someone's day. Awesome. Love you all. Bye. Bye.